Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. My name is Alex, and uh, today I am re-uploading my very first interview with Ed Bitowski, who is the creator of the Chapwood Index. And unfortunately, the Chapwood Index isn't up anymore. He had to uh, take it down because he was having trouble collecting data as a result of all the COVID restrictions. But it's an important conversation because, you know, to understand Bitcoin, you have to understand what the problem is in regards to the Federal Reserve, the way that money works, the way that inflation is measured, and how all of those things impact the economic decisions that people are making today. You know, most people are operating believing that CPI is an accurate uh, assessment of inflation. That in 2020, they printed trillions of dollars. They expanded the money supply somewhere around 30%. And inflation was only 1.4% according to CPI which might not be very accurate. I don't think it's very accurate. I think anybody uh, in the Bitcoin field will agree that that is a major misrepresentation of what inflation is, uh, that we are experiencing it a lot quicker. And the Chaplet Index was a great tool to see that as it measured the increased cost of living. And that explains why he created that and why that measurement tool is important. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So, starting off, could you uh, tell everybody a little bit about what your background is? Well, sure. I'm a financial advisor, a wealth manager is what we call it today. And I grew up at Morgan Stanley uh, running the high net worth group in the Southwest. Uh, and over time, developed our own business. <clears throat> and one of the things that really caught my attention was something that happened many years ago when my mother was uh, dying, uh, I realized something called the cost of living adjustment, COLA, and how that was impacting her life um, and how fortunate it was in, in a weird way that she passed away before the negative implications took you know, grip of her life. What I mean by that is that the government has a cost of living adjustment that they make, they call it the CPI. And uh, they make adjustments every year, but that number has been manipulated since 1983. And it's been manipulated to be lower so the government didn't have to pay out as much in, in higher prices each year. And that really caught my eye. And so I think the purpose today is to discuss the Chapwood Index. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what, what is the Chapwood Index and uh, how did you uh, create it? So the, what I originally thought about was trying to get all of my clients to write down what their cost of living increase was each year. You know, we all know what the cost of living is, all right? Like, you know, living in Tucson or living in, in uh, Orange County or Oakland or New York or Chicago, you know what your cost of living is, but the difference is your cost of living increase. This is what kills people. And it really focuses on something that's near and dear to you, Alex, and that is wealth disparity. And it affects middle income and lower income people more than it affects higher wage earners. And the reason that's the case is that the higher wage earners, they make more money based on their productivity than they do based on somebody giving them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So if what I mean by that is let's take somebody who works and they make $50,000 a year and they're middle level management at some company. 
at the end of the year, somebody will come to them and say, um, you've done a good job. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, a pr an increase based on the CPI. And the CPI doesn't reflect the real world anymore. And, and so what, it, what they'll do is they'll give you an increase of, let's say the CPI increase is 1%. They'll give you 3% increase. So 2% above the CPI, but that doesn't, close, that doesn't come close to reflecting what the real cost of living increase is in the world or in, the, in your city. Tucson, it's about 8% a year. So if you don't make 8% more each year, then you're falling behind. And the CPI doesn't reflect the real numbers, but that's what everyone uses in the private sector when they're giving increases to middle level management and lower income people. And that, so each year they might get a 3% increase, but their real costs go up 8%. So they're falling 5% behind every single year. And this is a huge problem. So I created this index to do it city by city. And um, I do 500 items and I do it twice a year where I reflect through my Facebook friends. I have friends in all these cities and they go out and they get the numbers for me. And we do a real cost of living adjustment or a, I shouldn't say adjustment, but a real cost of living announcement of what the real cost of living increase is per city. Um, the cities, Alex, that have the highest uh, number are uh, usually in cities that, are, that, that have high taxes. Mm -hmm. So the, the high tax increases are usually trickled down to the end product. So, those, so if you have a, a Oakland, California and Long Beach, um, I tend to use often in, in these analogies, their, their taxes are increased all the time. Well, that, ref that comes back to you and products and services. And that's why it costs so much more each year to live in those cities. Sure. Yeah, it, it is pretty wild. And I'm really glad that you came up with the, uh, um, the data for Tucson specifically, because there's not a whole lot of financial data out there, um, city by city. Um, and wealth inequality is something that is killing our city. Uh, and the average person doesn't understand the importance of this. Uh, so taxes plays a big role into um, the increase in the cost of living uh, for a variety of reasons. Would you be able to talk some more on why that's an issue? Well, you, you've got the, when taxes are increased, they, they has to come from somewhere. And it usually if, if taxes are increased in a city for city rent, for instance, they're going to increase the prices the business is going to increase prices on products to make up that money. Sure. Or if there's a new toll road and, or if the toll road prices go higher, um, you know, and a silly analogy I make is that let's say in the state of Washington, uh, the toll goes up on uh, a, a truck that's delivering apples. Well, if those apples are being sold in Virginia, they're going to increase the price that the, the, the store that bought the apples, has to pay for those apples to pay to take care of the increased toll and then they're going to pass that along to the end consumer so it all trickles down to the end consumer so if you have high taxes in a city that's usually where you have the highest cost of living increase and so again look at chicago look at baltimore uh 
you know, most of the cities on, on the West Coast uh, that have high taxes are the highest tax increases. And, and again, it's important to remember that it's the increases that matter. It isn't just what your cost of living is, it's that increase. So if you don't make, you know, eight or 9% more each year, then you're falling behind. And that's, that's, that's where this wealth disparity that, you know, you're prominently, you know, supporting the discussion on comes into a really difficult situation because most people aren't going to get eight or 9% increases. Okay. I mean, they're just not going to. Sure. So, sure. so you have to encourage people to become revenue producers where they can make money based on their productivity. Um, it's a huge problem that no one talks about. One day I'd love to have a 60 minute uh, feature story on this subject because the ripple effect is destroying the country. When they started changing and manipulating the CPI in 1983, and then they did it again in 1994 under the Boskin Commission, he was a professor from Stanford uh, that was put on with the task to show that your CPI was lower. Everybody wants the CPI to be as low as possible, but it's not, it just isn't. Think about your electric bills, your water bills, think about all the different bills you have and start really adding up how much your prices are going up. They're not going up just 1%, okay. um, not at all. And, sure. and this is why you have a lot of people who end up committing crimes because they do everything that they can and they get to a threshold of pain and they have no choice but to possibly do something illegal. And, and that's another you know, reason. You know, nobody wants to go out and commit crimes. Nobody wants to do bad things. But people, when they get to a point where they have no choice, people will do whatever they have to do to survive. Sure. I mean, that's definitely apparent when you look at countries like Mexico, uh, where there's a really high barrier of entry to do things legally. Um, and you have oligarchs really running the country. Uh, the crime is becomes, you know, a really lucrative way to go about things. And that's a problem with taxes. It just raises the barrier to entry. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I'm a big proponent of capitalism in general, because I feel like it is, inevitably where we uh, we go to as, as people. It's the most efficient way to go about things. Um, you know, and we look at countries like North Korea that have some of the most restrictive uh, laws when it comes to the economy and they have a flourishing black market really allowing people to survive. Um, yeah, so what, you talked a little bit about why um, the government manipulates uh, CPI uh, could you talk a little bit more on that? Well, what the government has done is they've gone out of their way to make prices remain low. So there's three different ways that they have done this in the past, but to focus on one, they would say that if, you're ham if you, had, you were eating a steak and steak prices went up 30%, they would say, well, you could have had a hamburger and that only went up 5%. So they would replace it with something that didn't go up as much. Um, th that's, that's one of the things that they do. They also leave out a lot of things like uh, uh, food and energy. Um, sure. They leave that out. And there's, there's many other techniques that they, they do to make the, make the CPI a lower number than it really should be. 
but they used to have 1700 items that they tracked every single month and they were tracking it until 1983 and the, the inflation rate was at 13 percent and then overnight when they changed the way it was calculated it dropped to three percent well think for a moment alex about all the people who were getting increases of 13 percent to keep up with how much the costs were truly going up and then they came out and said no no that's not true it's only going up three percent so now people got a five percent raise maybe or a six percent raise maybe and the real costs were still up 13 percent and this has been going on every single year so somebody somebody who gets social security increase they get a one percent social security increase well their costs have gone up eight nine percent a year i mean you know you ever notice that when grandparents get much older your presents get worse okay <laughs> one of the reasons is because of this it's because they have um the money is not growing and and they their money doesn't go as far and that's why you know you stop seeing your grandparents as much and they don't travel as much as they used to and your presence you, know, you used to get a hundred dollar check for your birthday then then it was 25 then it was just a card okay uh, sure. which is fine but 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 that's what happens because the government has been doing this and it's been a horrible thing and it's it's a, probably one of the most important things for you to take away for for what your um, mission is which is about income inequality because the income inequality comes from the middle and lower income people their increases are based on the cpi people who are one percenters or um, business owners their productivity or their increases are based on their abilities okay so it's not somebody giving them a thumbs up or a thumbs down think about a restaurant owner if they're making money then they're making money and, and they'll be able to make as much money as they can based on that restaurant and that's based on their their abilities uh you know and think about an, an attorney or a cpa they have the ability to make as much money as they possibly can based on their output of you know whatever they're able to you know bring in but they also can make no money because they're entrepreneurs. So why don't, why do you think this conversation isn't discussed more um, on a larger scale? Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a man named John Williams. Uh, he runs a website called shadowstats.com. And he is sort of a mentor of mine. And um, he and I talk about it all the time about how damaging this subject matter is and how important it is for people to know and understand it. And we can't for the life of us understand why more people aren't talking about it. But, it, but it's so obvious. Everybody knows that your costs go up a lot more than 1% a year. Sure. Yeah, one of the crazy uh, stats when I was looking at um, the Chaplet Index, specifically for Tucson, is it has the first half of 2020. So you said you collect the data twice a year. And it, it says in the first half of 2020, so far we've already experienced an 8.1% increase uh, in cost of living. Do you think that means that we have the potential for that? Um, uh, because it looks like it's been pretty steady over the past 
four years between 2016 and 2019. Do you think due to the unprecedented uh, uh, printing of money and uh, government stimulus that we're going to see inflation rates jump pretty dramatically? Well, I, I don't think you'll see the, the government inflation number increase um, yeah. because they'll, they'll do what they can to keep it lower. But I do believe that you'll see an increase in real inflation, uh, your, your real cost of living increase. Sure. Now that number, by the way, um, is for a full year. It's for the second half of 2019 as well. Okay. 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 I, I might not have made it that clear. Okay. I, I couldn't get the numbers for the second half of 2019 because of COVID. Sure. I was going to say, if uh, we stayed on that track in uh, full 2020, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but if we hit a 16% increase, that'd be pretty uh, scary yeah. and dramatic. Um, so yeah, I mean, the average person, their wealth is getting debased. Um, and inflation seems like it's kind of a hidden tax. Milton Friedman called it taxation without legislation. Uh, what, what do you think the solution for the average person is? To get another job. Um, I've thought many times about this and people have asked me that question many times about, you know, what should somebody do? And you really have a simple answer and that is get another job um, or get a job where you get paid based on your productivity not somebody dictating a thumbs up or thumbs down based on uh, the CPI. It's as sad as it can be, but, but that's the truth. There's no other way to look at it. Sure. You have to be the, 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 sh the steward of your, of, of your own destiny. And the only way to do that is to have a full say in what your income is. Yeah, I mean, 8.1% inflation rate is pretty uh, crazy to compete with. And we know that the majority of Americans store their wealth in just cash. Um, and the bank does not even come close to offering interest rates to compete with that. So it's a battle of consistently getting poorer and poorer. Um, and so getting a, another job would allow for uh, somebody to uh, afford their basic needs and maybe put some money away and invest, but at the same time, you know, they're losing out on so much. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a terrible answer, but it's the only real answer. I could sure. sit there and say, Oh, well, they should, you know, you know, do this or they should go back to school or no. The answer is a lot of people are stuck. Um, they're 45 years old and they have uh a wife and children or, or they are a wife and they have a husband and children and then they're doing everything that they're supposed to do. And that is they're, they're, they're going to work, they're paying their taxes, um, you know, being good corporate citizens, but every year they fall further and further behind. And this is a subject that I wish more people would talk about because the only answer is for them to, is, is for them to change how they make money. Sure. There is no other answer. And that is either find a different job or get a different job that complements what you're doing. And, but the only way you can do that is to become a revenue producer. Sure. 
Are you, uh, have you ever uh, seen the website WTF happened in 1971.com? No. Okay, it's, a, it's kind of a cool website. So 1971 was the year that we came off the gold standard. Um, and they, I'm looking at this figure right now of uh, um, CPI, uh, and it looks like a rocket ship, ship taking off right after uh, 1971 when we came off the gold standard. Um, so I think there's, there's, it, it's interesting that you reference uh, the manipulation of CPI in 1983 and, and was it 94 as well? Right. Yes. But they, um, they do it all the time, but that's sure. That's the main part. Sure. Um, and I think that's pretty, uh, pretty telling that, um, so right now, uh, in the, in the broader, uh, discussion, there's been some talk of different solutions for wealth inequality. Uh, one of them has been UBI. Um, another one has been tax cuts, uh, talk of universal healthcare, um, things like that. Do you think any of those are potential solutions or would be helpful? No, um, I don't know what you mean by UBI. Uh, universal basic income. So like sending uh, everybody $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what people would do with that money. I've heard recently a lot of people who are getting PPE money uh, and, you know, we're showing up in Vegas and, and spending it. Um, you know, you just, it's not enough money to make a difference in someone's life. I mean, the problem is, is, is very uh, big. So I don't know if the UBI would, would, you know, make, make a difference. You know, it could be a bandaid for a period of time, sure. but you've got to get to the core of the problem. And that is they've got to be able to save money. And most people don't have any savings. Um, and, and that's why this is so tragic right now. Uh, do you, when you're managing your clients' portfolios right now, uh, do you have any exposure to Bitcoin or gold and assets like that? Yes, I, I don't have anything uh, related to Bitcoin. Um, and gold, we own some gold positions, but not a major, not a big, you know, there, there's the argument that because of the printing of money and the devaluation of the dollar, that you're going to see gold rise. And and you probably will. I, I, I prefer to like silver and diamonds more than gold. Um, I like diamonds because you can buy them at a discount to what they're worth and they go up just like gold does. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're kind of entering in just a time frame that, or, we're entering kind of a place in history where we're having to get creative in order to, to store our wealth um, or potentially it's looking like today, the markets are looking pretty, pretty bad and tanking pretty hard um, across the board. Um, and we're all looking for stores of value. Um, do you think that there's a future 
where gold, where money is tied to gold or another scarce asset? I don't know. Um, I'm not that smart to be able to say. Um, I don't. I don't know and don't believe it'll be tied to gold. You know, there's there's lots of conversations about you know the U.S. not being the 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 currency when China did trades in Australian dollar um, a couple of years ago, hmm. and so but but that's something that I'm not that familiar with. Sure. Um. Sure. Let's see. Yeah, I'm really excited that you're uh, you're having this discussion around uh, the cost of living. I actually referenced. I went to my boss. I work in behavioral health um, as like my day job, um, and the Tucson blockchain is more of a you know hope for the future, an entrepreneurial venture. Um, but uh, I went to him and I presented the data. Uh, that you had accumulated and, and so they they give us a cost of living increase which is you know pretty small it's about like a two percent um yep. it's a big reason why i don't uh really count a whole lot on that paycheck or you know i try and stash as much money as i can and assets i think that are going to increase in value over time uh rather than just holding it in cash uh uh, but it was funny, you know, his reaction was he kind of laughed at me and, and, and there's a lot of uh, anger directed right now specifically at people's employers. Um, but I think the thing that's hard is they're essentially incentivized to behave this way. Um, because yeah, I had the SIE, I had the SIEU um, use the index for their negotiations, because I mean, anybody who's negotiating and let's take, you know, your, you know, your boss at what you do during the day, your behavioral science company, if they're looking you in the eye and saying, Hey, I'm going to give you a 2% increase. Well, you, you basically just lost 6% purchasing power each year. And it, and they're able to do that because the government has, put out this number that is not true. Um, same thing with people in their pensions. So uh, my, my in-laws retired from ConocoPhillips and he gets a, a paycheck, uh, but the increase is based on the CPI. So every year it goes up just a little bit. I mean, and that's why, you know, you know, his gifts to my kids have gotten worse all the time and so on. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a really terrible thing, but your, your employer, um, you know, should really take to heart that what he's doing is making your life 6% more miserable. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's why minimum wage is, is such a big discussion right now. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. yeah, minimum wage has some negative effects, kind of like what you were talking about earlier with the increase of taxes. It makes it harder for businesses to operate. And, um, yeah, the minimum wage is something that 
a lot of restaurants, you know, when they were open, would have a hard time with because they would go out of business. I have a friend of mine who has a hamburger uh, franchise called Elevate Burger in outside of New York City. And he said as soon as they went, they were going to $15, it, it would make all the burgers much more expensive because everything would trickle down. And he said it would be impossible for them to run the business. Sure. So. Yeah, I could, I mean, it, it seems like policies like that tend to benefit the bigger firms that can eat the cost of it and pay for automated solutions. Like McDonald's has all of these uh, iPad type things that you can order on now, uh, which means less people working. Uh, so they yeah. can easily eat those costs versus like a smaller uh, franchise like you're talking about that can't even begin to compete. Um, so yeah, uh, well, it's pretty crazy time right now. Uh, what's uh, what's bringing you hope and, and meaning during a time like this to, to weather the storm? Well, in terms of business, we're, we're doing what's right. We're not getting caught up in the high tech um, phenomenon, you know, the seven stocks that are leading the S&P 500 higher. Uh, and we're buying into uh, single B and double B rated bonds. And that's where the sweet spot is in the bond market. And, you know, so our portfolios are doing fine. And, you know, I, I, I believe that it's going to take a long time for things to get back to any kind of normalcy without question. And, you know, I, I just hope that people are able to hold on because mentally it's, it's really tough for people. Yeah. I feel like this discussion is more important than ever. Um, and I really appreciate uh, the motivation behind what you're doing. And I, I feel like mine is kind of similar um, in the sense of like my mother, uh, uh, my, my father passed away when I was 15 and, and, and left her. Uh, she was initially a stay at home mom, uh, you know, left her with not a whole lot. Um, she was uneducated. Uh, financially, even though she was uh, uh, working really hard and uh, went back to school and got a master's degree and, and wasn't able to do much with it, um, raising us three kids. But it's just, we, we were fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but there's so many people out there that aren't. And I think people that are in those types of positions, uh, you know, single parent households or dual income households, especially during a time like this, or exceptionally vulnerable um so to be having a discussion around uh these topics that are so so important and really might allow people to experience a sense of freedom is really uh helpful to me personally during a time like this um uh deriving meaning i'm yeah i'm glad that uh your business is doing well because there's so many that that aren't um yeah well in our industry we're we're doing fine um but it's it's been a difficult time you know a lot of it is psychological 
to try to convince people to hold in and and believe in the future. But now when you look at the future, you, you have to start to wonder what the future is going to look like. Um, you know, real estate prices are going to fall without question. The ripple effect of businesses not being able to pay uh, their rents and mortgages are going to start to be a drag at some point on the big banks. And that's going to then have a ripple effect and taxes are going to have to go up. Uh, even though Trump says if he's reelected, he's going to cut taxes. You know, then you start wondering about the, the deficit uh, or the long-term debt. I mean, just, just recently they announced, I think it was yesterday, that for the first time, I think since World War II, our nation's deficit will be higher than what we bring in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So those are things that concern me. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of these modern monetary theorists really point to Japan as an example. And I think Japan's kind of a scary. I would, I would like to see your index and what it looks like over there. I think oh. their, debt, their debt to GDP is like 200 and some percent. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it, it's, there's no way in the world that, that they should be afloat. The only reason they are is that, that so many are mandated to buy the Japanese bonds. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, at some point, you know, who, who knows when, but at some point, everything's going to implode. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the scary thing, like you talked about the banks, um, and our, I, I've got this background of Jerome Powell. This has been probably my favorite meme of uh, 2020 so far. Um, but he promised that they'll provide the banks as much liquidity as they need. And I think they, they lowered the... Uh, um, reserve requirements to zero so the banks can can lend out as much as they want. I think the reserve requirement on hand was like 10% uh, before this crisis and now it's zero so they might not have any some of these banks might not have any cash on hand uh, which is kind of a scary proposition but yeah I mean the implosion that is coming and the only tool that is at um that our the Federal Reserve and our government has money printing is kind of a scary proposition. Um, yeah, it is. But I'm really excited. So- oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, one of one of the areas I'm really excited about is is Bitcoin in particular. The the experiment of non-sovereign money that is auditable. Uh, that we can all audit the supply, knowing that there's 21 million that will exist. Uh, which is kind of a stark contrast against um, the dollar, which is, you know, we can't audit. Um, and the numbers that are provided by it, like we talked about quite a bit during this interview, that the numbers that are provided to us by the government are not accurate or reliable. Um, it's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, and I think is really, really exciting for the average person. Um, especially in these developing countries. Uh, like right now what we're seeing is Venezuela um, and Lebanon uh, are going, and even Iran, Iran has a lot of Bitcoin mining, but a lot of these countries that are experiencing uh, rapid hyperinflation have really large amounts of people that are growing uh, 
to use Bitcoin. I mean, the, the go-to always is the dollar, um, but there's been dollar shortages globally um, in these countries. And it's, it, it is nice and I think hopeful to know that there is a, kind of a plan out and a bailout for normal people to have a medium of exchange and store of value in something that, um, something like Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never, I, every time I get into a discussion about Bitcoin, I get yelled at by people. Um, I've had a lot of experiences talking about it, and I, I believe that there's a lot of smart people like yourself that are big supporters of Bitcoin. Um, I just don't see it as a viable currency right now. Sure. Um, but again, then this is when like if people watch then all of a sudden i get these text messages and they're mean usually and i get yelled at and i'm being told what a fool i am but um but i just try to avoid that subject uh, that's fair yeah and I, and I think that's un <laughs> i think that's unfortunate because in, in a time like this we it's really important to have conversations built on uh nuance and different uh bouncing different ideas out because we're really, and, and it's probably the last thing that people want to do because when there's uh, uh, fear and uncertainty, we just want to shut down and uh, latch onto ideas that uh, seem safe to us. Yeah. Um, so I can and understand. Even before this, even before this, I, I just didn't talk about it because I, I find it to be a, a very st a strange subject. Um, but yeah. I mean, it, it is very strange. There's not really any context for anything no. like Bitcoin in history. Yeah. 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 That's why I like to refer to it as an experiment um, because it is very unprecedented. Kind of like the internet is or a lot of these different new technological advances. Um, so yeah, where, where can uh, people find more out more about your work? Um, by going to the chapwoodindex.com. Uh, C-H-A-P-W-O-O-D index.com. And I put it up there, you know, I don't make any money from it. Uh, I did it as I stayed on it really to reflect back to my mother um, because it was something that I didn't know enough about at the time. And then as I learned more about the Chapwood, I learned more about the manipulation. It really caught my attention and I felt like somebody needed to to make a statement. So I decided to. Sure. Um, so those numbers are updated twice a year. I'll make sure to link that in the, the video description to the right. website. Are you on Twitter? Yes, I am. I'm at, at Ed Butowski, E-D-B-U-T-O-W-S-K-Y. Awesome. And I, I yeah. put out a video. Um, if anybody wants to get it, they can go to Chapwood investments.com and sign up. Uh, I have a video blog that I put out every once in a while. In fact, I'm going to make one here in a couple minutes on interest rates, but I, I put stuff out that's educational. It isn't so much about what to do with your money, although I tend to get a little bit more um, detailed than I should. Uh, but I think that uh, the feedback I get is that it's been very helpful. It's called making sense. Awesome. So.
So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the channel. And uh, anybody watching, please check out more of uh, Ed's work. It does some really good stuff. He's on YouTube, uh, having been interviewed by a lot of different people. And uh, yeah, I just feel honored to have been able to sit down and talk with you for a little bit. Yeah, that was a great conversation with Ed. And I thought it was important to re-upload because uh, a lot of people probably haven't heard it since it was my first episode, but yeah, we need to be talking about these things. This is the thing that gets me super pumped about Bitcoin and why I think it can really change our community because you give people sound money and they're able to make different decisions. Money influences behavior and influences the way that people think. You know, if you're tired of consumerism, um, if you're tired of bad music, bad movies, if you're tired of just the political chaos that we see today, sound money is the solution to that. You know, and Bitcoin is winning as sound money right now. Uh, it's finite supply, it's predictable monetary policy, which is set in stone and cannot be manipulated, makes it really, really attractive, as well as its immutability um, censorship resistant i mean there's just so many factors of bitcoin that are so fascinating and um you know it really is the next evolution of money you know and I've, I've been watching people's lives change as they're saving in bitcoin uh versus just you know their typical passive investments because you know part of it is the price is going up but part of it too is just like it causes people to think about money and to reconsider, you know, their their spending habits. You know, when you have an asset that isn't guaranteed to go down, uh, you're a lot more likely to hold on to it. And that's what I've been seeing across the board is, um, you know, not people being moon boys like trying to get a quick uh, gain in USD, but instead like thinking in the long term and the the doors it opens for people to to be thinking like that, to be thinking about the future, to have you know, stability and hope in the future rather than being relying on a monetary system that is just totally screwed is absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed this conversation.